Welcome back, everybody. This is Jonathan Burke here with Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this is Burke Reviews Movie Club, episode number 17. Um, <gasps> I think so. Yep. And we are going to be talking about, um, I have forgot the director's name and it's not in front of me, but Under the Skin is our movie of the week. Uh, we'll be getting to that momentarily. Um, but first, uh, Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Ooh, I think you mean well, but it's okay. Um, I know. I usually say, well, geez. I was going to say great, and then I was thinking, no, because it's been raining all day, and it's my personal, like, mm. I feel like I should be saving the earthworms. Oh, I don't So, <laughs> when <laughs> they're out on the sidewalk, because everybody steps on them, I pick them up, and oh. I put them back on the grass. I get it. I, well, I didn't realize there was an abundance of earthworms in Idaho. A ton. That's and they're black. Oh, are you sure they're earthworms? I... Um, they're about the same size. They're like oh, dark okay. gray. So they were on the, um, we have like gravel trails by our, um, river for the green belt mm -hmm. and you can barely see them. Well, so I don't want them to get smushed. That is very caring of you. Um, I mean, most people just feed them to the fish anyways. Right. So, um, dang it. Well, um, so it was raining in Idaho today. It has been, um, a hot day here in good old Florida. Um, not, you know, in the nineties, like, like normal, you know, April, although yesterday was like, I don't know, pretty cool in the middle of the day yesterday. So I don't know. We had the weird April, uh, cool down day that we get once in a blue moon, but, um, I don't know why we're small talking about the weather. Uh, we, we've heard uh, a couple of sad deaths in movie news. Uh, one, the director from, um, Silence of the Lambs, whose name is currently, not Jonathan Demi. Yeah, Jonathan Demi, um, I believe. Yep. And then I just saw, and I don't know if you saw, I just sent this to uh, our group chat, but <sighs> Doris Roberts, um, most famous, I, I think to modern generation, most famous for Everybody Loves Raymond, but I remember her um, from, um, oh boy, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, okay. That's where I prefer to, uh, to think of her because I didn't really care for Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, I don't. I think it's very funny but my family loves it and well, i just don't understand a lot of people do um and it also gave us king of queens as a spinoff from uh, kevin james character on everybody's raymond so i also blame them for that show um because i am not a huge kevin james fan um but you know people like him but uh it's i know i've watched doris roberts a lot um with my wife uh because she does a bunch of the hallmark christmas movies um at least three of them that i can think of that i've seen way too many times um, so I, my wife will most likely be pretty sad that she's passed um, once she sees her picture. Uh, I did not know her name, sadly, um, until I saw her the Facebook post. But I was kind of shocked. I mean, she's 90. It's not um, – she's had a great life, obviously. 90 is I, – I hope I can make it to 90. Um, she doesn't look 90. No, not at all. And um, Which was my thought when I saw Vegas vac – uh, man, Christmas Vacation and realized it was her. I was like, Wow. She looks kind of the same, and this movie's from the 80s. Um, that's crazy. So, yeah, one of many Hollywood star, uh, stars who managed to defy aging. Um, Patrick Stewart's up there. We're looking at you, buddy. We know you're a vampire. But, um, Scientology. I don't know. I don't, it's possible. I don't know if all of them just are. just assume. I, I would have thought plastic surgery and Botox, but, um, you know, not necessarily for her, but just in general. Um, it is. Oh, oh, hold on. Hold on, hold on. So Jonathan Demi, and I feel like I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, so I'm sorry. Please don't send hate mail. But he also, he's a director and producer. Um, I don't know if he directed or produced, but also 1993's Philadelphia and 2004's Manchurian Candidate. Um, 
yeah, that's the remake. I don't think that one's well regarded, but Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite um, films that I haven't watched in a while, mind you, but I, I've always had a, um, a fondness for that film since the first time I watched it. It made me watch um, Hannibal and Red Dragon. I made it to Red Dragon even though Hannibal was not so great. Um, but I do, that's my favorite Anthony Hopkins performance as Hannibal Lecter, period, just in general. Like, I love the character, even in the mediocre movies. Um, so it's, you know, in that way, it's sad. It's um, it's not hitting me as hard as many other deaths uh, in Hollywood, but, you know, it's still, it's worthy of note. These, these uh, people give us art in some degree or another, and it is always sad to know that they'll no longer be um, contributing to making of said art. So just a quick little reference to that. Um, we're going to get into our trailer talk this week, which is pretty minimal, as there's only one movie being released, and it's no surprise because anything coming out against this would have done probably pretty poorly, as you can expect this film to maybe bump uh, Fate of the Furious off of the number one spot. Um, Please. And that is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And set to the backdrop of awesome mixtape number two, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 continues the team's adventures as they unravel the mystery of Peter Quill's true parentage. Um, like the first one, it stars Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Batista, uh, Bradley Cooper... I'm waiting for it to load for some reason. I don't know why it's taking so long. Um, Vin Diesel is credited as Baby Groot, but I heard he wasn't, so I don't know if that's accurate. Um, Michael Rooker back as Yondu, Karen Gillian back as Nebula, and then we get some new ones. Um, Kurt Russell has been uh, confirmed many times. Uh, Stallone, I understand, is uh, Sylvester Stallone is going to show up in one of the uh, post-credit scenes. Um, have you heard the news about this film? Um, is it that there are five or six post credit? Five, five is what I heard. Five post credit sequence uh, scenes in Holy this shizzle. film. Um, and thank you for letting us know ahead of time because sometimes. Yeah, yeah, because you would see one and get up and walk out. Um, unless you're, I mean, I guess if you're a novice Marvel movie watcher, but any true Marvel fan knows you say till the very end of everything. Uh, for the official Marvel m- movies, if you're one of those people who get all the studios confused. Marvel, when comic book movies became popular in the um, right around the time X Men uh, came out, Marvel licensed their move their franchises to a variety of different movie studios. Um, they've reclaimed all of the rights except for the Fantastic Four, the Mutants, which is everything under the X Men umbrella, including Deadpool, which is why Fox is Deadpool, and Spider Man. Um, they lost uh, Fantastic Four and the Mutants to Fox, and Sony has the rights to Spider Man. Now, Sony made a deal with Marvel Studios, which is owned by Disney, to um, let them use Spider-Man in their movies. And they're they're essentially making the movie, but it's Sony gets to release it. So it's still technically a Sony Pictures film, but it's all through the Marvel Universe, and thus the character is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Something that we were missing from The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Um, when, of course, if you're keeping up with the Marvel movies, you know this, because uh, Tom Holland as Spider-Man showed up in Civil War, and the trailers for Homecoming... Uh, are not light on the Tony Stark. They make sure we know Tony Stark is going to be in the movie. No worries. Um, but um, the the stingers, um, the after credits, or the before credits, sometimes during credits, and often after the very end of the credits, have been a staple going back to Iron Man, um, when we got our first one with uh, Agent... Oh, boy. Nick Fury. Man, my brain went dead again. I almost said Agent Carter, because Nick Fury would look great in that hair. But... Or, dang it. Ugh, it's been a long day, folks. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Nick Fury shows up at the end of Iron Man 1 and informs us, essentially, of the Avengers initiative. 
and starts our our multi-dimensional multi-film universe that is growing growing and growing as many more new characters are getting solo films there are uh, the two avengers films in the works that feature i think every character that's been in a marvel movie in uh infinity war which i don't think they're calling anymore i don't know if they've finally released the name for that or not but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is finally here. Before we talk about the trailer, Corey, did you like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1? I did. I need to rewatch it. Okay. Um, I have it in my possession for my DVDs.com um, subscription. Well, I own every Marvel movie um, in some capacity or another. Uh, I do not own the shows mainly. Um, I don't own any of the Netflix series, but I also don't own uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or uh, I think it was Agent Carter or something like that was the show that I think it only lasted a season or two. But um, I don't own any of that. But I own all the Marvel movies, including uh, Guardians. Um, and I like Guardians a lot uh, the first time I watched it. Like, I loved it. And then I think I saw it – I think I only saw it once in the theater, but I did immediately watch it when we when I, it came out on Blu-ray and loved it the second time. My subsequent watches, it hasn't been as much fun for me as the first couple – um, and I don't know if it's um, familiarity with it or if it's just me, me, you know, growing up a bit. I mean, it's not been that long ago, but still, I don't know if it's just me that maybe my taste has changed. But I definitely loved the movie when it came out. So I'm hoping um, to love Guardians Volume 2, um, which uh, is coming out next week on May uh, 6th, I think. One, two, three, four. No, it's the 5th. It's May 5th. I apologize. May Cinco 5th. de Mayo. Oh, that is true. Did not put that together. And the day after, the my favorite holiday, May 4th. Um, May the 4th be with you. But Guardians, uh, Volume 2, what do you think about the trailer? Um, So I feel bad because when we were talking about our favorite actresses, and we were kind of touching on no um, women of color being represented well, and I feel like... I especially dropped the ball with Zoe Saldana because, let me see here, she was in the Star Trek, um, movies. Star Trek films. Yep. yep, she's fantastic in those. Um, although, yeah. I think she has a pretty prominent role in Beyond. Uh, but I think because those are all ensemble, in fact, so is Guardians, they're all ensemble films where you have lots of characters, all of them contributing quite a bit. Um, it's easy to not think of her. However... She's in a fantastic movie with uh, Marvel Universe alum uh, Mark Ruffalo called Bi- uh, Bipolar Bear. Um, I wanted to see oh, that. I have it on my list. It's super great. However, her role in it is super small um, again. Oh. so uh, But she, the moments where she's in it, she's fantastic. Um, she's done. She's in Columbina, I think, is her action movie she did before Star Trek and stuff. I think that's her. I haven't seen it. Um, but I know she did another film before she got really big that was uh, very well received as well. Um yeah, she is definitely a terrific actress. And to be fair to us in Guardians, she's green. Um, so when we say a person of color, she is legitimate, um, you know, as in green. So, um, but that's a, a, a definitely a good apology. We we mentioned Rosaria Dawson, um, who we want. Um, I, I like a lot of her movies, but again, her most recent film, uh, which is not doing well in theaters, uh, to no surprise, um, Unforgettable. Yeah. Um, but Zoe Saldana, definitely a really good action star. Clearly okay with sci-fi movies, as this is a, technically she has two major sci-fi series going on right now between Star Trek and Star Trek and uh, Guardians. Um, but back to the trailer. Sorry, uh, I just needed to do a oh, shout no, out. Definitely. Um, I'm pretty. 
I'm pretty excited about it. I watched the, I think it's the most recent one, um, but I've seen a couple of them. It just looks like it's going to be a fun movie, and I think it's going to be even better on the big screen. So I'm excited to see Baby Groot. <laughs> well, you know, Rocket and Groot uh, were definitely two of my favorite parts of the first film. Um, I, you know, I, I like the whole cast. I mean, even uh, Dave Bautista was the the curveball when they cast him because I, you probably don't know him because you're not a big wrestling person, but I am. And Dave Bautista was Bautista for the WWE for years, um, and he had some big runs. He was a champion for a while. Um, he ran with Randy Orton and uh, uh, Triple H and Ric Flair for a little while. And uh, Legacy, I believe, was the name of their faction. And so he had this big career run. He left WWE to pursue. Do you have any guesses what he left to pursue? Um, well, underwater basket weaving. I don't know. I, I kind of thought you would say acting, considering he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. But yeah. you didn't. Um, so you threw me off. But uh, no, <laughs> I knew he, that was too obvious. He left to be a, a, a MMA fighter. Um, you know, like UFC, and he did not. Mm-hmm. He never got a fight, to my understanding, if I remember correctly. Um, he just couldn't get. Uh, ring ready i guess was the issue they didn't they didn't think he was um ready for that kind of physicality not that he can't handle it just like fighting versus it's more than just like cardio and whatnot so whatever he wasn't prepared and he never had a fight to my recollection it's possible he had one small fight and it didn't go well but um it's not the first obviously brock lesnar was the first wwe guy to go ufc and he had a very great career but there was another guy named bobby lashley who did it and whatever it was a, a trend for a little while and cm punk being the most recent flop as he went to MMA, uh, hyped up for a year about his fight, and then lost uh, pretty um, emphatically, if I remember correctly, uh, not too long ago, a couple months ago. Um, but Batista then went to acting, um, which he'd, he'd acted in a few films beforehand. Um, and for the most part, everything I've seen him in, he's been pretty bad or had bad parts. Like, I heard he was okay in Riddick, but I didn't see Riddick, um, which is kind of weird because I've seen all the other riddick films like i've seen chronicles and i've seen uh pitch black but the one self-titled riddick i have not watched um and then uh, did you see specter the last james bond film was that the one with christoph waltz yeah the super disappointing one that wasn't very good i'm not to be fair i'm not really a fan of that franchise i like two of the four daniel craig ones i i love casino royale and i love um skyfall did not like Quantum of Solace. I found I barely was able to keep up with Quantum of Solace while I was watching it. Um, Spectre, I went in with a lot of hope and then was very disappointed. But Batista plays one of the the bad guy henchmen. Doesn't talk the whole movie. Um, has like I think sharp fingernails or something. Ooh. Um, yeah, but uh, his performance as Drax though was great in the first Guardians, and he had some of my favorite moments um, of him, especially him not getting uh, sarcasm. Um, and then Chris Pratt, I am a big fan despite his role in passengers um i i do like chris pratt uh, going back obviously parks and recreation i am a huge fan and uh guardians was kind of the movie that changed my perception of him as like i'm like wow he can pull off action and then jurassic world which yes jurassic world has its flaws but i had a freaking blast watching that movie because i am a huge fan of jurassic park so it was so fun seeing that in theaters with my meme like she kept like swatting my arm and like oh my god honey it was just so funny she's in her <laughs> 70s and she's just great well, um, I, too, am excited for Guardians Volume 2. Um, I'm always a little apprehensive. I don't want to get too excited because then I can be disappointed if my, if I overhype the movie myself. But um, I have already purchased uh, two tickets for myself and my daughter to go see it at the big IMAX in Point Orlando 
um, nice. which I've never been to. So this will be our first time going to the, this is from what I've been told it's the best IMAX in our, in, at least in our area. I don't know if it's the best in the state or not, but it's the best within like the central Florida. So that's from like Tampa to Orlando area. Um, and, uh, our f- mutual friend of the podcast, Brendan will be there as well. Although our seats are a row apart and on opposite sides because when, by the time I went to buy my tickets, uh, it is reserved seating. If that wasn't obvious, um, the seats next to him were actually, I think he picked seats where there was like nobody next to him. It's like the next to the handicaps, uh, reserve seats. So, mm. but, um, I did get the row in front, so I will like wave at him like, Hey, and then Taylor and I will watch, uh, guardians of the galaxy volume two on the big screen. And hope, 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 hope it lives up to the hype from the first movie. Because they've already announced Volume 3. Um, James Gunn is also going to direct that one. So he will have directed the whole Guardians trilogy, which may end up being more movies. may end up being just a trilogy. We'll find out. But he's setting something up with five after credits scenes. So let's see what happens with that. I'm, I'm assuming one of those will be Infinity War uh, you know, hype for the next Avengers film. Um, one will definitely be a, a something for Volume 3. Um, as I've heard some speculation about one of them already, which involves uh, Sylvester Stallone. And then um, I'm not sure what the other three could be. Uh, maybe hyping up Thor, because um, Thor is at, in space, it looks like, or at least that's the illusion. Because if you've seen the trailer for Thor, uh, Hulk is in it, and it looks like they're pulling Planet Hulk content from the comics um, into Thor Ragnarok, which is directed by our uh, one of our favorite new directors, Taika Waititi, um, who did... Um, Hunt for the Wilder People. Thank you, because my no. brain is yes. just not connecting dots. Um, so yes, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People and uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the mockumentary about vampires living in New Zealand. So um, he's doing Thor, so I'm intrigued to see what he does with it. But since it appears there might be an outer space vibe, I could see a, a, a stinger in the, the post-credits being connected to that. And I would, I would have to bet we're going to see something else of Howard the Duck after them bringing him into Guardians Volume 1. Do you not remember that singer at the end of Guardians, Guardians Volume 1? No. Yeah, there's a scene um, in The Collectors, uh, which is Benicio Del Toro's character, in his like room of collection stuff that Howard the Duck is sitting there. It, it made people really freak out because Howard the Duck, you know, going back to the 80s, uh, one of the most reviled films. <laughs> so um, they, had, they brought him in. So, I, I mean, I feel like they have to keep that legacy going and bring him back. But... As we said, that's the only trailer for this week, for May, May 5th. The only movie that's going wide is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which, again, probably a good choice because I think most people are going to uh, head out to see that one. Guardians was the sleeper of the year it came out. No one expected it to do what it did, and it, it crushed. It, it made a huge box office, um, especially for a property that's never been that popular for Marvel. It has its fans, but it's never been one of their staples, and... Um, film-wise, I think it's done better than several of the other films, so as far as dollars go. All right, we're going to get into our review of Under the Skin, um, and this is a film that I've never seen before, and Corey had seen once. Yes. All right, so uh, needless to say, Corey is an expert on Under the Skin and forced me to watch this movie. Um, at my uh, you know dismay, I, I immediately was just like, Under the Skin? That sounds like a rash, and oh, no. um, it's a 2013 film uh, starring Scarlett Johansson, and pretty much that's it. Um, there's some other people in it, but they're not famous, and I know this because I'm looking at IMDb, and there's like no other pictures. Um, <laughs> so like most actors have headshots or something when they're trying to get work, and most of them do not. 
Um, it's directed by Jonathan Glazer. I think that's how you say that. Um, who has also done Sexy Beast and Birth, which actually I've heard of Birth, and Birth is um, a film that is on my watch list, although it's got a mediocre Metacritic score, but it's uh, this film's from 2004, and it's really weird. A young boy attempts to convince a woman that his uh, that he is her dead husband reborn, um, and I've heard some weird things about that movie, so I, I like not... I heard some decent reviews from... I don't remember which podcast I heard, but I, I was like really intrigued by the premise. Like, well, that sounds weird. Um... The IMDb plot summary for Under the Skin is a mysterious young woman seduces lonely men in the evening hours in Scotland. However, events lead her to begin a process of self-discovery. Um, so let's start with, uh, Corey has this weird Let, obsession. Hold on, but oh. let's first start with spoiler warnings. Oh, good call, good call. Guys, we're probably going to talk about this movie in some pretty deep detail um, if you don't want it to be ruined, go watch it and come back and give a listen. If you don't care about spoilers, listen ahead. And this is one of those things where um, I think even at the beginning of the film, to give context to what's happening, we're going to talk about a reveal that I feel like I may have already known, but I can't remember for sure what I knew going into this. But let me let me nitpick on Corey for a minute. So a few months ago, back in October, Corey was down visiting and... I was watching 31 horror films in the month of October. And one film that I'd heard good things about from other people, not just Corey, to be fair, but one that she loves is Bram Stoker's Dracula. And that movie, I did not love. Um, I will admit... I don't even know if you liked it. Like, it's it would be hard to say I liked it. Um, I appreciate that Francis Ford Coppola used some old-school film techniques to make the film different than your normal uh, vampire film. However... A lot of the story felt off, the, just off the rails, and the worst thing of all was some of the casting. Predominantly, a guy who I tend to like his movies, Keanu Reeves, who I've never said, nor will I ever say he is a good actor, but when in the right role, he does a job that is worthy of being remembered. The Matrix, John Wick, Bill and Ted's, where he's really playing himself the most, and I, I can't say it for sure, but a lot of people love Point Break. I don't think I've ever watched Point Break from beginning to end. Um, maybe when I was a kid. I've definitely not watched it since I was a kid. And I bought it not long ago. I just haven't got to watching it yet. Um, I still can't believe Catherine Bigelow is the director as her most famous film right now is um, The Hurt Locker and also Zero Dark Thirty. But yes, she's the same woman who directed Point Break. Um, so good for her uh, being diverse. But my biggest issue with Keanu Reeves and Bram Stoker's Dracula was his British accent and or his very fake and horribly acted British accent. Um, the line that I've referenced on at least one of the podcasts, I don't remember if it was Top 5 or if it was this uh, movie club, but I referenced uh, the line where he says, Inferno, and I don't feel like I'm exaggerating how he says that. I'm pretty sure I've got a spot-on Keanu Reeves impression of Inferno. Um, In a California, British. Californian British accent. So I, I tell that story um, because here is this movie set in Scotland. And here comes Scarlett Johansson um, speaking with a British accent, right? Would you say it's a British accent? I think it's supposed to be. I hope it's supposed to be, because if it's supposed to be Scottish, it's even worse than what I'm about to talk about. No, I think that she's supposed to be British. I feel pretty sure of that. Which, with the context of the film, makes no sense, except there's, there's there's one reason. There's one reason, but we'll get into that for a second. Um, but yeah, so Corey has picked, uh, did you pick this? Did I pick this? I don't even know how this one, 
Um, came from I can't even remember because I don't think we're very good at taking turns. I think we're just like, Agreeing. oh, yeah, that sounds great. We'll do that next time. And we're like, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, I probably, are you done ragging on me or what? <laughs> probably not. I mean, um, I chose this one. I'm pretty sure of it. I really enjoyed this movie the first time that I saw it. I'll withhold my judgments until later. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, I wanted you to see it. I wanted to talk about it. And I wanted to be able to see it again. Well, I want to say um, really early on, uh, again, this British Heaven accent that um, all of this has just been to mess with Corey. I actually really like this movie a lot. Um, and so. Thank heavens. <laughs> I've been, I want everybody to know. I <laughs> Everybody to know that I have never been so self-conscious in my 24 years of life as I was sitting at your house <laughs> on the couch adjacent to you watching one of my favorite effing movies, one of my favorite cussing movies, and I just felt your peering, judging eyes. I just felt it. And I'm like, he hates this movie. I'm never going to live it down, and I still love this movie, and I don't care what you say no. to tear it apart. Hey, I still love it. The the reality is, uh, my opinion, while I think it's valid in most cases, and I will probably argue with many people about some of the things that I, I have opinions on, I don't uh, have an issue with people liking different movies. In fact, um, I hope every movie finds an audience. I do, um, genuinely. I want more people to give other movies a chance. That is my biggest issue right now. That's where I've fallen as I've matured. Trust me, if this was me even a year ago, me talking crap about The Fate of the Furious wouldn't be strictly me talking crap about Fate of the Furious. Where now, I'm not even talking crap about the movie. I understand why people like it. I genuinely do. It doesn't appeal to me, although I've not given anything after four, even four I've only watched like ten minutes of, anything after four I've never given a chance to see if it would appeal to me. I did try... I think it was Fast Five was on HBO, and I wasn't I wasn't able to sit and watch the whole thing, and I definitely went in with a negative attitude, like looking to to like nitpick it. Um, so I've never given the the new ones a fair chance. But as I've matured as a moviegoer and as a fan of film, I want every movie to find an audience, um, with the exception of things that are legitimate trash. I mean, you know, um, films that are blatantly. Um, made with a, a negative agenda where they're looking like you know um while many people still cinematic uh film history people will watch um oh man my brain is so done i can't think of anything birth of a nation the original birth of a nation not the nate parker birth of a nation from last year the original birth of a nation which is one of the most racist films ever made people watch it out of film history reasons and it, re- legitimately as a film i believe it, it revolutionized some of the film techniques that are still used which is, of course is an awful thing. I wish that wasn't connected to that movie because it is a racist piece of garbage um, in that, reg- again, as far as the content of the film goes. And so those type of movies, if those are still being made, and I'm sure they are, those I condemn. I don't want those to find an audience. But general films that have you know varying messages and varying you know ideals, I hope the filmmakers... Um, I'm saying all this, and then I'm like thinking like Human Centipede. I don't really want that to find an audience. And then like, But don't uh, worry, I have a good friend that goes way back that loves those films I know, so it still and, has an audience but i don't know if i want it to find an audience that's my point but generally thinking <laughs> i'm saying most movies i want to find an audience and so while i don't like bram stoker's dracula one you're not the only person who's ever said how great that movie is there my i know my, one of my aunts loves that movie and also loves the lost boys so maybe it's just me and vampire movies because the only vampire movie that i know i like there are two actually dracula the original um, Dracula, you know, going back to Universal Monsters, 
and Blade. Um, and that's the only two I can think of. They're, oh, oh, no, totally. What am I thinking? Let the Right Ones In and um, Let Me In, the two versions of that same film. I love those. Of course, there's a whole episode on our vampire movies you can go back and listen to. But um, So smooth with that. Transition, like, man. You got you to gotta yeah. plug. But um, I didn't like Bram Stoker's. But um, Corey told me, while well, we both watched Under the Skin last night, and she messaged me and was like, I feel like you're judging me. And I was like, well, this will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, my God. I was so – I could just feel it. I don't know how far away it is. Maybe, like, I don't know how far away I am from Florida. It's the complete opposite corner of the country, though. Yeah. Dang it. Yep. And I was just like, I know that he's hating this movie, and he's never going to let me pick a film again. And he probably thinks I'm, like, the worst – movie fan ever Let's see what I, don't know. I did last time you were here I, I took some of your hair out of your brush and oh, i Jesus. i made a uh idaho potato voodoo doll of you Gross. and i don't stab it or anything i'm not trying to hurt you but i do uh i insult it quietly to make you have self-doubt so <laughs> he says we're friends everybody i said oh, i'm your no. boss um but <laughs> <laughs> no um <laughs> under Abuse. the skin uh, I'm going to get into the major spoiler. Um, she's an alien, right? And I feel yeah. like uh, context for most of the film is needed, which, as I made a jest as I was trying to freak you out about her British accent, I do think that's why, because part of her uh, method of hunting is asking for directions like she's a tourist and she's lost. So the British accent in the Scottish place only helps to add to her um, her alibi. Man, I am my brain is not firing on all cylinders right now. Um, I had a big piece of cake. Uh, Taylor had youth group and when i picked her up they had uh, the last wednesday of every month they have like more of a fun day and they celebrate all the kids birthdays from the month so oh, cool. they have a big birthday cake and i literally it was like a brick the piece of cake they gave me it was way too big and i am way too big of a fan of cake to not eat it so it got eight <laughs> um, yeah so it got eight and i think it's making me sleepy because it's just way too much sugar so um i apologize for the 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 uh, like right now, I did, but that's do. okay. I can never talk, anyways, so we're just on like level. Let's, we've picked the right, right now. the right profession. Then let's let's talk on <laughs> well, profession. I'm making so much money doing this. Um, but nonetheless, uh, the film. Um, there's so many things I want to talk about. And we we try not to go in any kind of order. Um, mainly because we're not doing like a play by play. We we're hoping that you have watched this film or that us talking about it will make you want to watch this film. Now, it is not currently available to stream for free. Like, if you have Prime or if you have Netflix, it's not there. You can rent it on most streaming services, Vudu or buy it, Vudu, Amazon, etc. Um, we did get it on Blu-ray. Um, so, you know, however you want to get your, your media, uh, it's it's I think it's worth a purchase. It is not a film that's going to appeal to anyone. Uh, sorry, anyone. I just went negative again. It's not a film that's going to appeal to everyone. Um, as it has some quirky things, uh, there is quite a bit, and yet not, of nudity. Like, there's, it's never really in a sexual, um, like, when there is sexual implications, there's no nudity. But there's nudity in reference to potential sex, I guess is how to word it. Yes. Um, um and I'm kind of surprised, actually, at the rating of this film, because it's rated R. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay, so I thought that there, I feel so weird talking about stuff like this with like you or Brendan because we're such good friends and I've known you guys for like more than a decade. And also I don't want to be too explicit, mm -hmm. but I thought that there is a particular thing that would make this film rated X, even though there's no actual sex in it. I, it wouldn't be X. If anything, it would be NC-17. Um, okay. But I, I don't think so because like um, Titanic, for example... 
is uh, PG-13, but Kate Winslet is naked. Um, but she's but naked in the context of art. There And also, though, there's... It's penis. She's talking about penis. It, it's an erect penis, though. Three. And it's um, to be multiple <laughs> times. Um, and, and some, yeah, some on screen longer than others. And I don't mean that as a pun. Um, because uh, <laughs> um, I thought a long time ago when I watched Fast Time at Ridge, Fast Times at Ridgemont High mm-hmm. by Amy Heckerling, the director, I believe, wow, and I thought that she had said that they had to remove certain scenes, and I thought. That's why she had to, because it would have made it. But it probably was in C seventeen. Actually, well, thinking about that, there are um, a lot of different stipulations with that. It could be how long it was on the screen, like in a in succession. Um, it could be because there was no contact between the female character and the male actor. Um, it is yes, it is definitely uh, what you said. I don't want to repeat the words too many times, but because um, then we'll have to make ours explicit. But. Um, there is there is a bit of nudity and I mean uh, Scarlett Johansson um, in two scenes uh, kind of uncomfortably because she it is again um, one time she's just she's getting dressed essentially in a she's undressing one person and getting dressed but I loved that scene oh I'm not saying any of these scenes are bad I'm just saying oh like, no yeah it, it's um, it's surprising because I I just watched Lost in Translation not too long ago. And I was reading an article about it, and the opening shot of the film is uh, her from the behind in very sheer underwear where you can see her butt crack. And I read that it took a lot of convincing for Sofia Coppola to get her to do that. And um, that Sofia even had to wear the underwear so she could see how sheer they were before she agreed to it. Um, or something like that. That's what I read. Now, of course, some of those articles are after the fact, and they're you know they're going to be speculation more than they are fact. But if that's well, true, I was surprised. And granted, this is many years later, but still, I was surprised that she would do this. Yeah, um, she's not an actress who is. I mean, she's been in movies where they there could be nudity, and she's not done nudity to my understanding until this film. So I don't know what it was about the script that made her willing to do it. But um, it is really interesting, mind you, because the film is thought provoking, if nothing else. Um, and um, so she's an alien. And so I want to talk some things about that. But before we get too far into it is uh, the soundtrack, which I'd heard was amazing. Um, that is. Oh, go ahead. Well, you're more of the this. This is more your vein of music, I think, than mine um, as far as maybe not like that you listen to all the time. But I know like there's a lot of synthesizer and that's um, a lot of 80s movies, 80s horror in particular. Very prominent. John, John Carpenter's films is notorious for that. And then uh, let, um, It Follows from a few years ago had a very similar synthy soundtrack i didn't like that one but i really liked this one i found it uh very compelling and not nearly i feel like it follows was like in my face with the soundtrack i was just about to say it's loud and in your face it's very it's a very prominent yes aspect of the film and then this one it kind of is in the background and it definitely it's not saying that it's it's definitely not easily forgettable and that's not why it's in the background but they're using it kind of to enhance the film but then also i feel like for it follows that soundtrack being loud made it more um it made me feel more anxious i guess watching mm. it yeah i guess that's not untrue um this one uh set up it definitely set the tone i mean it, it, the scenes were built so perfectly um there were moments of absolute silence which i love i'm really starting to find sound editing to be more compelling it was something i think i used to just take in I used to watch movies more holistically where I just took the whole thing in and and didn't necessarily break it apart into the various pieces so much. 
And mm-hmm. after, uh, you know, really studying film now for over, a little over a year, like really, really, really trying to pay attention to the little things and reading more about it and things like that. Sound, I've noticed the last several movies I've watched where the sound is really, like being John Malkovich too, the sound mixing in that movie was so cool. Um, and this movie I thought was also really great sound editing, including the music. Um, and I, I do, uh, I read an article, I don't remember who picked out, but it was like the top 10 soundtracks to listen to while writing, like writing for screenplays and whatnot. And Under the Skin was, I think, number two, um, right behind John Carpenter's album, uh, where he has its music just for, I can't think of what it's called right now, but it's, it's synth music. Didn't he just release that? Like, I think he released the volume two recently. Okay. Um, and I think they're both though number one on this guy's list, whoever it was. And then Stranger Things soundtrack was on the list as well. Oh, um, so good. Yes, and they're all very synth heavy. You know, and it follows was also on the list. Uh, to give credit to that again, if a soundtrack I did not care for does not mean it's not good. It just was one that it really. I also did watch that movie with uh, stereo headphones on, and so I don't know if maybe it was even more in my face because I was Ooh. wearing stereo headphones. But I I found it more distracting than it was bringing me into the film, which I did not feel with Under the Skin. I felt very much pulled into the movie, I think, because of the soundtrack. Um, so we mentioned the film kind of opens with uh, this really weird image of these circles forming, which then appears to be her eye being formed um, as she is uh, an alien being turned into a human, which the some of the sets in this movie are so unique because you the first time we see her is in an all-white room, like very bright. It almost looks like she's standing on fluorescent lights. Like it's so... But it's also solid you can't tell where the walls begin or end with the floor like it's just white um and then later throughout the film we are in an all black room the same way but she is perfectly lit and so is every other person that is in the room which i found visually stunning um both times like just absolutely gorgeous how the characters are lit and not lit like the you know slang term but turn up um (laughs) and it was it was really impressive um at first I was like, well, this is a cheap set design where we don't see any of the walls of the room they're in. And then I was like, oh, wait, never mind. This is really cool. Um, I really like this. And um, and I appreciate that. Of course, I don't under I don't know. Like so many times I'll look at how much they spend to make a film because that interests me. And I like to see the difference in how much they spend, how much they make. And I didn't look into that on this, but you could look at it that way that they, maybe they did though. Maybe with some of the editing, they made up for some of the, you know, money that they saved on sets or whatever. But I love that it's so simple. There's so much, there's so much about this movie that's so simple, but it's, but it's not. Yeah, no, um, agreed. Like it's, it's, it's clearly low budget. Um, but in, in like the best possible way I can say that, you know? Um, in fact, I watched a YouTube video by uh, Chris Stuckman, um, who does apparently does some movie reviews. I don't know if he's still doing it because the videos are three years old from when this movie came out, um, or I guess when it came out on home video or something. But um, he has a regular review, but then he had a uh, like an analysis, which honestly his analysis is like two minutes of an eleven minute video, and the other seven are all setting up the plot um, so that he could give you an analysis. But nonetheless, he pointed out a couple things that I didn't notice. Um, one is. The film opens with that eye thing, and then we see a motorcycle guy um, riding a bike and some pretty decent cinematography of the motorcycles throughout the film. Whenever the motorcycles are riding, there's some cool camera work. But he stops on the side of a road, walks into a completely black um, area where you can't see any details whatsoever, completely lost in contrast, um, comes back up carrying a body, who then we later see in the white room and Scarlett Johansson stripping her naked and taking her clothes. 
Did you notice a tear roll down from the girl's eye? Yes. I did not. She looked like she might have still been breathing, too. Which I assumed she was dead, especially because she never speaks or anything. Um, mm, I thought she was still alive. I don't know what she they is. did to her. Oh, she totally, I, yeah. I now think, totally think she is. But I'm, when I first saw it, I did not catch that. Um, I only caught it because of his video, which is why I gave him credit, because I, did, I didn't I did notice it until I saw his point of view. But um, it also he also added some context that I completely agree with. She was an alien and went through the same thing that our character goes through through the course of the film. Um, so the, the premise of the film is we don't see um, Scarlett Johansson become her character. Not, none of these characters have names at all in this movie. So much so that even in the credits, they don't even try to discern who these people are. They're listed in order of appearance. And um, that's it. There's nothing next to their name. It's not like Scarlett Johansson as the alien. It's just the female. I don't think it says that in the credits, though. I think it just has their names. From what I remember oh. seeing last night, um, it just had that. Um, but um, I did not catch that. I've never. I mean, I've only seen it twice, but I didn't realize that she was an alien. Well, here's the, the logic behind his thought. There's no way of knowing this, right? But we mm-hmm. see the motorcycle guy go and get her, right? Which um, there's then a scene later in the film where um, Scarlett Johansson's character is standing. And the motorcycle guy's, like, staring at her, like, kind of creepily, like, hardcore, you know, eyeballing her. And um, the implication there is that he's checking her, like, he's worried about her, right? Um, And it's not too long after that that we see her break her pattern, right? And I guess to make sure the listeners are getting this, um, she is uh, an alien in human skin. And her mission is to hunt men, apparently, because that's all we see her hunt. Bring them back to a house and have them absorbed into this liquid that appear appears to be kind of like a spider in the sense that it sucks out the insides and leaves nothing but a skin suit which is amazing visually yeah but i also want to comment on the whole stalking and like her stalking her prey because i love that depiction of a woman like hunting men that way Mm. and even if you think about the way that like whenever you see with serial killers or like anything like that it's not even as methodical as she is in this movie and she's so careful Mm -hmm. and that's like you were saying with her british accent and she needs directions and stuff Every almost every single conversation she has with these men, she so slyly slips in and asks them, do you have any family or friends that would be looking for you? Yeah, basically, like, is there anyone who will notice if you're gone? And if, yeah. if the answers all be are all no, then you are potentially going to die, um, especially if you're attracted to her, because that just makes her job easier. She's very much a spider in a way um, in this movie, the way she hunts. But um, there's a few things when, when she first comes on, into Earth. Or not? She's you know we see uh, spaceships leave a building and then she walks down the steps, which is where we get our first indication that she is an alien. Although no confirmation yet, only the weird room full of white light, um, her taking another woman's clothes, apparently not having any of her own, coming down, and then she starts observing. And we get the her observing through a series of flashes of people being people, people doing normal mundane activities, shopping at a mall, which is where she goes to kind of observe. And she she notes. Um, and this is not my words, this is Chris Stuckman's again. She notes the uh, superficiality of, of our culture. Everyone's worried about their outward appearance. So she buys things to make herself look kind of like a prostitute, but not quite. Like it's a like the fur oh, well, coat and you know it's it, acid wash skinny jeans and 
um, stiletto ankle boots. Yeah. Totally. And some very bright red lipstick, like super bright red lipstick. Uh, um, and the the fur coat particularly, it's probably not real fur, but it it de- it definitely gave me that kind of a vibe. Not not entirely, but definitely de- overly uh, sexualized. Um, but based on her observations, that's what uh, would do her the best to get what she's looking for. Um, now. In that sequence, there is a really cool thing uh, when she's driving and she's scanning. You, there's a bunch of blurred scenes. Like you see, a, like different things on the walls are blurred, blurred, blurred. People are kind of there's just so many things. She's like you get this idea of almost being overloaded. Like she's just scanning everything. But there's one poster that I noticed that was not out of focus. I think it's the only thing on the walls that was not out of focus. Did you happen to notice anything? Mm, worst movie watcher ever. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, there is a Space Invaders poster, you know, the old video game yeah. um, with the word Space Invaders on it just on the wall. And it's the only thing that I not I noticed was not blurred. Um, so totally, if you hadn't got already that it was uh, an alien, they really wanted to make sure there were hints um, definitely embedded in the film. And that was definitely one of them. Um, I mean, it's possible there was a Space Invaders poster just on the wall somewhere. It seems mm. unlikely. And given that, again, throughout that that little montage of visuals, uh, nothing else is that clear except for the Space Invaders poster. Um, but uh, so one of the things that the the, the the Chris Duckman, I think was his name, um, pointed out, and I don't know if this is where he got his information, but I'm getting it from him, is that some of the people she talked to in the vans, like when she was like, hey, how do I get to this place, were not actors. They were people on the side of the road that she asked directions for, and they were filmed with hidden cameras in the dashboards. And only after the movie was done did they get permission to use their likenesses. Um, not the ones who got in the car, the ones who were on the outside, but she talked to were genuinely Scottish people out doing their business and she's asking directions and all of that was like improv, which, um, is nuts, nuts but pretty cool. Cause it, it definitely adds to the authenticity because a lot of those moments yeah. felt pretty genuine. Um, so again, I don't know where Chris Stuckman got his information. Um, but that's where I got mine. So if it's not true, it's Stuckman's fault. If it is true, really cool fact. Um, I really think that's interesting. And uh, uh, that kind of guerrilla filmmaking, I like when you do things like that um, to get your, you know, to, to make the art that you're trying to do. You want it to seem kind of genuine. Um, but so she hunts these guys. She brings them back to the lair and they go under the under this black surface that she's able to walk over to. And I like that also. Nothing. It looks like a black liquid. It mirrors what's above it completely pretty mm-hmm. much completely dark atmosphere and it looks like liquid but there's there's no splashing they just go they just kind of sink you yeah. know what i mean they and walk further they don't even seem to notice that they're going into it no and it looks like, like it looks like it would be tar or something yeah but and the first guy that goes in it we don't get to see what happens afterwards he just vanishes the second guy um we get to see under the surface and um we see the uh, the first guy still there they try to communicate, but they can't speak. There's no sound traveling through this this liquid. It's almost kind of it kind of reminded me of like um, what are those chambers called? The uh, ew. I can't think what they're called because my brain is not working. But like in the um cure for wellness, the the um the water. Yeah, what is that called? But it's it's a salt based water so that pe- the body floats and suspended in animation. I cannot think um sensory deprivation mach- uh, device or something like that machine i think but it's not really a machine but um sensory deprivation tank that is what they're called there we go um and that's what it kind of reminded me of although i don't think that's what it was uh the first guy is looking kind of ragged his skin is like kind of bubbling up like loose carpet um and while this guy is looking at him all of a sudden he just deflates like a balloon 
and it was a really cool effect. And I was just like, oh, God. Um, but so then you just have this guy's skin just kind of floating in the water, and we get a shot of another black room, but with a, like, what looked kind of like a furnace at the end, and a conveyor belt of red goop, which mm. I think is the insides of the guy. Yeah. Not sure how they got there, or, like, how he deflated, or, like, I don't really see how that part happens, but... Um, I don't think that's the issue, and that's the thing. People can watch this movie and be very disappointed. Um, we never get a really big uh, definition of what her goal is, like or why. Yeah, or, exactly. Like, yes, she's hunting these men, but to what end? Or is, is this how she eats? We know is she it can't how they fuel the spaceship. Yeah, we know she can't eat human food, but that doesn't mean she has to eat at all. She's an alien. We don't know what her body requires to survive. Um, so is maybe that's how they eat kind of like, like a spider, like I said, so they suck out the insides and that's their nutrition. Um, is it fueling the ship, which is definitely more likely cause I don't see how she's getting the food source. We never see that happen. Um, and what is the end game? Are they doing this to get rid of all of man? Are they running tests? We don't get any of that, but that's not what this movie's about. And that's where I can see people getting upset because you don't get those answers, but this film's about something much more. In fact, the interesting thing about this this is kind of a character study sci-fi movie, which is something you get, but usually from the human perspective, not the alien. We don't really get to see the alien um, change and arc and and start to grow. Because I feel like they make her very, it seems like she's, it seems like, I don't even know how to word this, but like it's very human thing she's trying to experience. And we see that when she tries to eat food. Mm-hmm. When she tries to have sex with that man, when she's doing all of these different things. So what Corey's referring like, to, we see her take two men to the goop. Uh, the third man she picks up um, has um, some kind of dis- disformity uh, or disfigured element where his face is uh, larger. His head is larger than normal. It reminded me of the Elephant Man movie. It did. Um, and I, I can't remember what the disease was called that he was suffering from but that's what i think this guy's likely to be supposed to be suffering from just in the mm-hmm. resemblance and even how he uh he had his he hid his head um in the hoodie but when he first got in the car um but uh she she does her normal routine on him which at first is interesting because she's doing the exact same routine she does on all the other guys and this guy isn't like everybody else i mean um which is interesting because she, one she doesn't see him any differently than she's seen everybody else. I loved that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't. I didn't remember it from the first time that I watched it. But I. She was never taken aback by his appearance. She in your. She did exactly what she would do with every other man that she had tried to pick up. Which is is two things. There is one because she's not human. She hasn't found any of those humans attractive. This is just her mission: is to get these guys for whatever reason. Um, if anything, his disform his deformity made her job easier because he he admits he has no friends, he has no family, nobody's gonna know he's gone. Um, but something changes in that conversation, and she clearly starts to take pity on him, which is a human emotion that she's not ex- not shown at all beforehand. And um, she has him touch her neck, and it's this very kind, gentle moment. But then she still takes him back to the place, and she goes through the routine. He sinks into the water. She goes to leave, but she stops at the mirror. And this is after the motorcycle guy has examined her. Like, he was looking to see if she was okay. And apparently she passed that test. But here is where she she changes. She's staring at herself and almost seems like she's fixated on her human form. Like, she's becoming more longing to be the person she is in the mirror. 
rather than just being an alien wearing a suit, she genuinely wants to be this woman. And she, we see her then let the guy go. Took him out of the water, apparently, or the liquid, or whatever it is. And he's out naked, mind you, but he's out. And he, he doesn't ask any questions. He just starts walking. Also, just to go back to that whole her treating him the same thing, when he's walking in the dark place... Um, he says that this is such this is such a dream. Like this yeah. is such a dream to me. But she says this is this is a dream to us. Like she makes them equal, I mm, guess. Yeah. Well, did you see? Which there's I... a close up in the car where he pinches his hand. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, like it, like to see if he's dreaming because this beautiful woman's talking to him and offering to take him back to her house. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he he pinched himself right there. Like, oh my god, is this a dream? And um, but she lets him go. But he doesn't get away. We see the motorcycle guy catch uh, catch him later and throw him in a trunk. Um, we never see what happens to him, but I assume he ends up back in the liquid. Um, but after that, she goes on the run. And we find out that there's more than one motorcycle guy. There's like four that we know for sure. And they're all looking for her. Um, she's kind of hiding. She ditches the van. She ends up on a bus. Um, this guy is being really nice to her and ends up, I guess, taking her... Um, inviting her back to his house he makes food but we've already seen her fail to eat chocolate cake she doesn't even touch the food again though this is another british or at least european film where there is breakfast food and baked beans i don't don't understand i have to try it i am going to find a british restaurant nearby that serves breakfast and i am gonna eat it because i do like beans but i also i can't imagine eating beans and eggs and and ham or bacon um and i must try it there is a restaurant around here that serves that, but I don't even find. I'm not even like no. I'm, I I must try. So one one day I will. But this is another example. But she doesn't eat it. Um, he then uh does the dishes, and she we see her kind of tapping her finger to the music. So again, another human thing. She's trying to be more human. Um, even riding the bus. Um, you know, there's just a lot of little things where she's trying to be more human. They notice she doesn't have a jacket because it's cold, but yet she's fine because she's not a human. Um, she goes, um, she sleeps there, but once he leaves the room, she stands naked and examines herself in the mirror for a long time. I love that scene also because a lot of people are thinking that it's just going to be sexual or whatever, but I love watching her move her arm and watching how her bones and her shoulder blades move. And she really is just taking it all in how her body moves and how everything kind of works. And I think that that, I I like that scene a lot. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I kept. It's one of those things where I, I appreciate the scene. Um, it does, you know, I, out of respect for my wife, I tend to not look at, at scenes that feature nudity. Um, so I, I did, I kept kind of looking up uh, and away at the screen, um, particularly because my wife didn't know what I was watching. So, like, if she had walked in and I'm just like staring at <laughs> naked Scarlett Johansson on my TV with headphones on, it looks pretty sketchy. So I am uh, frequently looking like up at, at the ceiling, like, in case she walks in, I'm not trying to be a perv. I can vouch for um, you. Yeah, and but you know, again, it is. It's a scene. It's actually, and I don't mean this about her, not to diss Scarlett Johansson or anything, but it's a beautiful scene when you think of the context of the film because she is examining what it is to be this person, and every inch, every detail, which is where there's a moment of comedy and a little bit of horror when she, um, the next day, does try to have sex with this guy who's been nothing but a gentleman to her, and I really want to stress that this guy has been. Very kind. He invited the stranger into his home and never makes a pass at her. Doesn't try to kiss her. Does nothing. Even if he was thinking about it, there's no indication that's why he did anything that he did. He was a genuine gentleman. In fact, um, going back a bit, there was a scene where she falls 
And I never, I never, I didn't quite understand why she fell, but she falls like walking down the sidewalk, and immediately you hear um, her. Everybody's like kind of muted and far off, like when you because you hear through her ears what she's hearing. But they help her up. They're, are you okay? Are you okay? And that's kind of the first moment where she's really vibing with humans. We seem like good people. We are caring. Why we help some woman, this person on, as a, on the side of the road for no reason. And here comes this guy. Sees this woman who looks kind of upset. Um, she has no jacket. She's you know drenched she's from the rain. And she's just walking kind of yeah. aimlessly. And he tells her that the bus is coming soon. And she just stops and is like, okay, I don't really know what that and, means, but yeah, sure. She goes to the bus stop. Um. And so he helps her. He offers her food. Granted, she can't eat it, but he offers her food. He then takes her on a, like a little show, and he get there's a big puddle, and he carries her across the puddle. Like, I mean, going Valiant. very chivalrous, right? Like, yeah, so so great. And then they do go at that night. They try sex, she, and the kissing is one of the most awkward kissing scenes ever, which is perfect. I don't know. It's, have you seen Purple Rain? I have not <laughs> seen Purple Rain actually. Um. Uh, it's one that is on my list because of Prince's passing to watch, but I've not watched it. Um, but the kiss is awkward, but it's supposed to be because she's never kissed anybody before. Um, so she doesn't know how. And it's, that's what it looks like. It looks like someone who literally has very maybe seen two or three people kiss in her life and has no clue how to do it herself. But um, then there is an attempt of sex, uh, which she freaks out, stands up and uh, grabs a lamp and holds it to her groin. And you don't see it. She, you see her from behind doing it, and you're just like, "What is happening?" But she, I'm not exactly sure. But she was definitely stunned about what had just transpired. Um, and he's kind of like, "What's happening? Are you okay?" Yes, I'm trying to. Well, I didn't. I wasn't really sure what exactly happened at that point because we don't actually see it. No, no. And so we don't really know, but I feel like the ending of the movie kind of made me think there was nothing there to him to do anything with or like that her costume, her human skin, like so, maybe it just ripped and you could just see her black. Yeah, I, I would you think know, so her black because form. there's no indication that she would have um, like sex organs like a human yeah. would have. So while that's a skin suit, like, you know, like, uh. I'm, I, this is not meaning to be as like, but if I put a mask on like a mask on the back of my head, you know, there are still eye holes. But if you poke the finger, you're going to just get the back of my head. Right. So if there is a skin suit and there's no sexual organs on the person wearing the suit, while there would be a look of something there, there would be no entry point if you get mm -hmm. what I mean. So I think you're probably right. He Because he did seem like he was struggling. Yes. And then she stood up. So either maybe she thought she could do it and or maybe didn't know what it would be. But then was like, uh oh, maybe he ripped my suit because she does get up and leave like right after that. Um, And she, like leave, leave. Yeah, she's she's leaves. And um, poor guy, because he, you know, he again, he didn't do anything wrong. And even I don't and he think, asked her if she's OK. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she was uh, upset with him. I think it was the re revelation that she's not a person. It was like surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like. And that's another reason why I think that it was just her suit ripping or something because, yeah. Well, yeah. So she goes wandering in the woods. She's still avoiding the motorcycle guys who are still looking for her. Um, so she's wandering in the woods, and she comes across this creepy logger guy um, who right away I was nervous, but he seemed he seemed genuinely nice at first, but still kind of creepy, but genuinely nice. He, he did ask a lot of the same questions that she asked. Mm -hmm. Are you alone? Are you here alone? Yep. Yeah. Do you know where you're going? Yeah. Oh, just follow the... 
marked trails, you won't get lost. And also, if I was let loose in that forest, I would get lost because those trails aren't very well marked, guys. I don't know if she was ever on a trail. I assume she was because he said that, but I never saw anything resembling a trail. The only thing no. that worked for me was that those trees had some vicious-looking branches, and if she wasn't That's... in a trail, they would have been stabbing her in the face. That's the only thing that I'm like, she must be in a trail because she's not being stabbed by those vicious-looking branches on those trees. But she ends up in like one of those uh, like camper um, shelters where it's just in the middle of the, f- the forest. If it's raining or whatever, if you want to chill for a moment, you got lost, and now you can crash in this little shelter. She ends up going there, um, looks kind of shocked, and she ends up... Uh, falling asleep which i'm pretty sure is the first time we've seen her sleep i think you're right and i don't know if that means she's never slept or if this is a sign of her becoming more human um and thus why she's sleeping as it's you know unusual but she wakes up to that creepy guy um molesting her which she kicks him off and runs out but he chases uh, he does catch her and attempts to rape her and this is where the film gets really super interesting visually again he ends up while ripping her shirt off he rips the skin and we don't see it at first. We see him look at his hands in horror and then we see that he has black on his hands um, or to quote one of my favorite movies. He has ink on his hands. Um, those of you who know, good for you. Um, and we then see her stand up and we she's got a hole in, the, in her lower back, almost uh, like a tramp stamp esque um, leaking uh, of black fluid. And she she drops down to her knees. This guy's run off now and she pulls the, the head off and we see this all black alien and i liked that scene too when she's holding the face and it's looking at her and the face is still like moving working it's still her eyes yeah yeah. that part shocked me um so i don't know if that means to say that the skins are still sentient or um if the skins are I, i don't know it was really interesting but we see this all black alien and then we see um humankind at its worst we've already seen it look pretty bad because this guy's trying to rape her after all the films she's wanted to be a human because humans have been kind and and she's seen compassion and she herself has shown compassion and we've seen her become a good person someone who is killing humans who is not a human start to think of us as a good you know a good race a good species and start to mimic us she meets the the bad side of humanity this rapist who then when he sees that this is an alien or at least something unhuman because it's black. It's not, oh, that sounded bad. It has black blood, essentially, which he thinks is blood. It's actually not. It's, I guess, the coating of the alien. Um, I don't, it might be blood. He might have actually hurt her in the process. I can't really tell what was going on there. She did seem rather stunned, but I don't know if that was because of the fact that her suit was ripping. Um, and also that she hasn't had this. She just got attacked by a human who she, treatment. Yeah, before. That's, duh, that's a, of course what it is. She could still be hurt though. It's hard to tell. <laughs> but um, he douses her in gasoline, and sets her on fire. And I realize that the whole film we see her hunting people and seeing her essentially killing people, but I still didn't see that coming. Even though I guess I should have. Well, you know why you should have. And I didn't catch this either. This is, again, from Chris. I'm sorry, dude. I have forgot your name. But the YouTube guy that I've talked about a few times. Sucker? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, okay. He uh, pointed out that the music, that every time she's walking the men into their pit, uh, that plays, plays when this guy's chasing her. So she turns from the hunt, the hunter to the hunted, or, she, you know, switch. It's the role reversal. Um, and so, yeah, we definitely should have seen it coming. Um, but... Maybe not exactly fire, mind you, but... And 
and I I did notice that last night watching it. I didn't notice that the first time. I did not notice it. Um, but I did. But, I liked the music in all those scenes. It just it didn't click which was which. It, yeah, it didn't click with me which scenes they were. I was like, I know this music; it's been playing the whole movie, but I couldn't remember from what part. Again, I'm taking his word for it because in his video, he could not. He didn't use uh, clips. He just used still pictures, so I didn't get to hear the music with the clips. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but I, I'm going to take his word for it because it makes sense. Um, it's an audio motif. Um, every time that music plays, it's like Jaws music, you know, when you know the shark's coming when you hear the music. So, so get out of the water. Um, he pours her with gas. He lights her on fire. It's a pretty crazy scene because she's running through the woods on fire and then collapses in the snow. And we do see like her turn to ash. <sighs> Um, and the film opened with almost all black with just these circles and it ends with all white as we look up to the sky and snow falling on the camera and around her. Um, we still know the motorcycle guys are still looking for her, although uh, I think they might know something's wrong. They, there is a shot of them at one point where I think he like kind of has like a look like he's like something's up. Um, and he does seem to have some kind of connection. I assume the motorcycle guys are also aliens. I kind of thought of it like a beehive. Like you have like the worker bees and then you have the drones. Oh, the queen. Yeah, well, I don't think she was the queen. Uh, the queen doesn't leave the hive, so to speak. Um, but I think that might be where the food is going, like what she's hunting for. Um, like there is a queen alien who needs the worker bees because um, all the bees that go and get pollen to make the honey are female. And the male bees are the drones that protect the queen and mate with the queen. Uh, they don't leave the hive. Um, so to me, the I know more about bees than I, I did. Uh, there, my daughter went to an event a few months back that I had a film for our school system where it was all about bees. So I learned a lot about bees that day. Oh, um, and I don't know how much of what I just said is 100% right, but I think I'm in the ballpark. I do know the female bees are the ones that go out and get the honey. That's what she was doing. She was going out and getting the honey or the pollen to make the honey and bringing them back to the hive and them being ingested by the for the queen to be nourished. And then... The, the motorcycle bees, the male bees, are the ones that are singular focused and they are probably mate with the queen and protect the queen. Um, now, to make sure she's doing her job, too. Yeah, and that might be where the analogy... Well, again, she's not the queen. She's the worker but, bee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're making sure that she is doing her oh, job. Oh, her job so that the queen gets... Yes, exactly. They're like yes. the enforcers. Um, and now that might be... Maybe I'm reaching on the analogy, but to me, that's what I was thinking when I was watching it. I was trying to make sense of it. And well, that makes sense. Yeah, that's where I, I thought the, the most likely it's a hive mind kind of thing. Um, and in a way, then, when you look at it that way, it's kind of like the bee movie because there's this bee. He goes out and he falls in love with the human. And that's kind of what happens in Under the Skin, right? So she falls in love with the humans, not one, but like the idea of being human. I also want to say, too, I this time that I watched it, I felt like I think that he was startled and he was afraid of her. But I think that he was pissed and embarrassed, even though no one else saw like, I felt like he was mad at her. The, the guy, the rapist? The logger, yes. Yeah. He definitely was, I think he was mad in general. Like, he just seemed like an evil, evil guy. Like, Ugh. and again, he definitely mirrors her in almost every way. Um, uh, The way, Except, again, well, she never, of, she but... doesn't get aggressive because her end game is different. Hers wasn't about sex. Hers, she used sex to lure them in. He used kindness, the human trap, to lure her in. Or at least lure her into a sense of, uh, you know, nothing to worry about. Um, I normally would have a word for that, but my brain is not functioning properly. So, um, you know, he gets her guard down and then um, he attacks her and uh, ultimately kills her. That xenophobic thing about humankind 
you know, here she is an alien who's becoming a, uh, seeing how great she thinks we are, and he sees an alien in me like I gotta kill it with fire. So, you know, that xenophobic uh, themes. That's this film's from 2013, but I think a lot of the themes in the in it still are. I mean, obviously, three years isn't four years isn't that long ago, but still, given the nature of our political climate, the xenophobic thing is a huge ordeal right now. Um, so that villain at the end, I think that hits really hard. I think there's a lot of cool interpretation this film can be. And one of the things I really loved about it is it's a really quiet film. Like, there's dialogue, but there's not a lot of dialogue. A lot of the film is um, watching her observe humanity, watching her um, hunting, but even just kind of passively, like, just, like, her looking at this guy, watching what he does when he doesn't, when he does something, or when he walks into a crowd, her quickly changing her mind, and then little conversations that are very, like, small talk, you know, conversations. And ultimately, it's a real silent film there's a lot of not a silent film like in the old days where they were gonna have cards but just there's not a lot of things going on now there's always music and there's always uh, sound effects but it's it's a very like nice paced simple film it deals with pretty deep themes again like the idea of our our human uh, nature being very superficial um caring more about outside beauty than what's inside obviously the name having multiple meanings um, they're hunting what's under the skin as we see that they absorb the insides of people and leave their skin. But also, um, she is hidden under human skin. And then um, the deeper meaning is while she's not a human, what's inside of her, what's under the skin, is very human-like. There, she starts showing compassion and this interest in the way we live. And um, again, that's based off of her positive observations, and it's not until the end of the movie that she's confronted with the harsh reality of humanity is that we're not all good people. Um, and so, I, you know, again, I can see people not liking this movie because they might, well, nothing happens or we don't get, we don't get the bigger story, but man, um, it's one of my, I think one of my favorite Scarlett Johansson performances, partly because it is so quiet. Like I love her in Lost in Translation. I think that's my favorite performance of hers, but, um, this one was, was fantastic. Uh, it, it seems to be a little more popular with the critics um, because it, it does have that thought-provoking style. It's not going to give you all the answers. Um, I don't think necessarily that it's super deep either. I think a lot of the, the metaphors and the, the symbolism is, is very much on the nose. Um, like the, the under-the-skin things I just did, like that's very out there. I, I'm not a genius for noticing that. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think a film has to be so out there where no one's going to have the same conclusions. Because... Heaven knows I've watched movies where, you know, where you don't have any idea. Like I was, we were talking kind of Mike and I about uh, Mulholland Drive, Mulholland Drive. I'm pretty sure. Um, And I don't understand so much of that movie. And anytime that I've tried to talk to people about it, they don't either. Yeah. Which it's still a good movie and I still enjoy it. But I don't think that a movie always has to be, you know, a movie can be straightforward and be excellent. A movie can be thought-provoking and have no answers um, and have a different answer depending on who's watching it, for sure. But um, sometimes a movie thinks it has that and it's just nonsense. Um, smoke. And uh, this movie, it's 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 not too blunt. Like, it doesn't say it. But if you're paying attention to what's happening, I would say the symbolism is pretty straightforward. Um, most of what the, the the message is that it's talking about, it's definitely talking about um, common problems in humanity. Our, our focus on the, on what's on the outside instead of what's on the inside is a common problem. Um, her observation of these kind gestures 
um, and maybe even in a, in a way uh, positively stereotyping humanity as these you know caring kind individuals that she's completely caught off guard when this guy attacks her. Um, and even what that says about, um, you know, most of the times that sh she interacted with people were in large areas with many people. And here is the first time she's really like she is alone with the guy on the bus. But even the bus driver alludes to the bad side of humanity because he's like, hey, leave her alone. Like he, as if the guy were being creepy. Um, but he wasn't. And his intentions were good. But she got lucky with that because, again, the bus driver alluded to this other darker humanity um, that she still hadn't witnessed to that point. So it, it, it says a lot about our culture, uh, how pretty people get treated because she is, a, you know, she's Scarlett Johansson. That's what she looks like. So a famous Hollywood actress is walking around Scotland. People are being nice to her. What a shock, right? It, that's kind of how we perceive. Um, we, we generally think pretty people get treated better. And we get that with the character that the third guy she takes um, as he is not a pretty person. He's a person who has a deformity that people judge and don't want to look at so much so that he goes grocery shopping at night in the dark. He wears a hoodie over his head. Um, he has no friends, according to himself, and he has no family. Um, and he's not, quote-unquote, attractive by the standard Hollywood uh, definition of the word, or maybe even a normal definition of the word, because, again, he is disfigured, and we are very judgmental as a culture, um, or as a species, to be more precise. And so those themes are in this film, and they're, they're done well, and they're done in an innovative sci-fi sort of way. And again, when we get the cool effects, they're really cool. I love the look of the alien. When she takes the suit off, she looks awesome. Like, it, it is, like, almost as if she's made of that liquid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she looks wet, but not. Like, she, like, it almost looks like she could have just collapsed into, like, tar. Mm -hmm. But but she doesn't. She's still a solid form, and it's it, so... It's this, it's a really cool looking, and it does have kind of the traditional like big head alien um, that you see like when you think of aliens. Except she's tall and slender, uh, rather than like short and big headed, like a lot of the early aliens were depicted in you know um, movies and books and things like that. But uh, almost no discernible features, like all black. You know, there's uh, the skin's black, the eyes sockets. Like you can kind of make out the sockets of where the eyes would be, but those are black too. And we saw a silhouette of that. Um, I think the second time she took the guy back to the place, uh, there was an overlay. We see Scarlett Johansson, but we see that figure for like a second. Um, mm -hmm. So we we got a reference to it earlier, which at that time, I'm still wondering if that was a second alien or if that was just her. Like if we were just seeing her or if we were seeing something else, like another alien there. I thought it was her, but I forgot about that scene until you just mentioned it. Well, if the guy from the YouTube thing is right and um, that the first girl, the the girl that looked dead but wasn't dead, is an alien and that tear that rolls down her face is a sign that she also went through this thing with humanity that she be wanted to be human she became obsessed with the human culture um and thus the tear that she's latched onto this hope um then we know that there's more out there how many we don't know we know that there's at least four motorcycle guys and again is there end game um to feed like a queen or to fuel their ships it, to me it appeared that there were three ships that dropped her off because they went off in, to me, different directions. The lights seemed like they spread out from the building. But I'm not sure. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Dang it. <laughs> but I think that's about enough. We've talked almost an hour, about an hour and a half movie. So, um, <laughs> Yes. I think there's a lot to examine in this film, though. And it's it's a film, again, I don't think everyone will enjoy. Um, if you like sci-fi, more if you like quiet sci-fi, if you like philosophical sci-fi, 
Um, I think you can find a lot of enjoyment in this film. You do have to get past a little bit of nudity. Um, so if that's an issue for you, like if you have young kids, you don't watch it when they're awake. Um, especially, um, I, I have a daughter. So generally speaking, like with movies, if it's not in a sexual nature, if it's just like a woman topless or something, we're not as concerned, you know, with that. But I would be very concerned with the three male genitalia that show up in this film, um, as I don't want my daughter seeing that yet, you know. So, um, that would be another concern is that many movies feature uh, topless women, not as many movies feature naked men. Um, and this one, again, as Corey pointed out, they are at full attention. So um, something to note uh, if you are thinking about watching Under the Skin, if you haven't already. Um, but now we're at the point where we give our ratings. I will go first since I am the one who've never seen this before. I give it our rating of a not quite golden pony boy, which is like a four out of five stars, essentially a little more to it than that. But that's about how it translates. Um, I would say four and a half, though, leaning towards five. It's not quite a must-see, but it's. I really found it uh, visually stunning, um, thought-provoking, and uh, with some cool ways of delivering concepts that have been done many times, but a new innovative way of doing it, like talking about um, the superficial nature of humanity in, a, in the context of an alien film is pretty cool. What are your thoughts? I'm, give, I'm giving it must-see film. Good. I, I, I have no issue with that. Again, um, I, my thinking with it is... Uh, I don't. I guess it's. I I think it is mainly the accessibility. I don't think this is a film for everyone, um, and I do. I I could see. I I I could see why you would have thought I wouldn't like this. This isn't a film that. Um, it could have easily not have worked for me, but I found it very innovative. Um, the soundtrack ended up working for me, which I didn't think it would because of the amount of synth in it. Um, but yeah, there there's really, it's it's a really well structured film. Um, and one that I am glad I watched. So. Um, Yay! Our next episode, episode 18, we're going back to Netflix. There's a new Netflix original called Tramps um, that is not about, um, like, prostitution. So that's a positive. Um, but I want to give a little bit of a heads up of what it is. This is available now on Netflix. It, in fact, just came out on Netflix on the 21st. So it's only been available for one week. Um, the film debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival last year. And it um, is directed by um, Adam Leon. Um, starring Callum Turner, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, I'm not 100%, Grace Van Patten and Michael Vondel. It's listed as a rom-com. Uh, a young man and a woman find love in an unlikely place while carrying out a shady deal. Um, it has pretty positive critic scores so far, and uh, it's one that um, I don't remember what podcast. I feel like it was Battleship Pretension um, that mentioned the movie, and that's what made me want to watch it. Um, but it, since it's new on Netflix, we thought we'd make it easy on our audience uh, to watch the movie with us. So next Friday, um, which will be the uh, oh, the 5th, it'll be May 5th, um, we'll be recording our episode on the movie Tramps. And we would love to read your thoughts on the air. So if you have anything you'd like to share, you can tweet at me at Burke Reviews, um, at Burke Reviews. And you can tweet at Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And I'm just expecting watching this movie to hear nothing for the soundtrack, but we found Love by Rihanna Ooh. featuring Calvin Harris looping in the back. That's it. That's all we get. Well, her expectations, I think, are bad. I'm not sure. Maybe you really like that song. but <laughs> I kind of like Rihanna. I uh, like when I mean, she goes hardcore. Um, But uh, you can also email us. Um, I'm at John, uh, John Burke at BurkeReviews.com or Corey R Star at BurkeReviews.com. Um, and uh, tell us your thoughts. You can also leave comments on this episode, which is posted at, on SoundCloud and BurkeReviews.com. You can leave comments right there at the bottom of the page 
or on our SoundCloud for this track uh, with your thoughts of the movie we're watching and talking about next week, which is Tramps. Um, this is, again, if you're new to the podcast, we, uh, we're trying to explore movies that neither, at least one of us either haven't seen or maybe both of us have only seen once. It's a film that maybe we need to, like, a second watching. Um, you know, we've done a, a bunch of different movies. Uh, we don't do new movies too often, um, mainly because Corey is going to college, and so it's harder for her to get to the theater in a timely fashion. But sometimes we do. We did a, a, an episode on the Cure for Wellness a few weeks back that we both went and saw the weekend it opened, and we had to talk about it. Um, but, you know, uh, we're always kind of looking. I have a huge list of movies that I need to add. Some are on my gap, like I've Never Seen the 400 Blows or The Bicycle Thieves. Um, these are Criterion uh, Collections-type um, films that you can get. And that sometimes is hard for the two of us to both have access to. And so that sometimes is a limitation. So I might just watch those on my own. But uh, this is a way of kind of working through our list. But if you ever have a movie that you think we should watch, we're willing to listen and take suggestions. So feel free to tweet at us those ideas. Um, if we've both seen it, we probably won't do an episode for it. But if we've one of us or both of us have never seen it, um, we might. Like I'm looking at my shelf right here, and I see I really want to watch L.A. Confidential, Capote, uh, Margot at the Wedding, Platoon, Ed Wood, um, Gandhi. Uh, I don't really want to watch Fast and Furious, but I might one day. Um, <laughs> Green Mile, I've never seen. Because uh, I, I, I tend to have, I, I had a, a history, a track record of avoiding long dramas. Um, and anything that looked like it would make me cry. Uh, for, they like, can be good, but they can be taxing. Oh, yeah. And that's I, I just avoided them um, for a very long time. And as I've gotten better at watching film, I'm trying to go back to these movies. But again, finding two and a half hours where I can sit and watch a movie because I do not like to watch a movie in chunks. I like to watch it all in one sitting. And if I don't have the two and a half hours to do so, um, I don't. Like I did just recently watch Lawrence of Arabia for the first time, and that was a that was a chore. It Isn't was that a like great four movie. hours. It's almost four hours. Um, and, Holy shizzle! Oh, and I started it at like ten at night, so it was a long Holy night. Sh- um, but it was with my friend uh, who we watched we watched movies like this together um, frequently. But then we also did uh, Apocalypse Now like two days later. Um, the not the redo, though, so it was only two hours and twenty minutes. But um, those were both movies that we'd been meaning to watch forever, and we neither of us had ever seen them, and so we watched those. Um, but that's what this podcast is for. So if you like it, uh, please share it. Tell people about us. Go to BurkeReviews.com. I write reviews all the time. Corey writes reviews sometimes, and in fact, just had an article post uh, the day we're recording this about Record Store Day. Um, which is we're Burke reviews. We're not limited to movies, although that's my obsession. Um, I do have other writers, and they sometimes will talk about things outside of the realm of movies. Um, we are looking to add some things. So if you are a writer and you're interested in working for us, um, we pay zero dollars at the moment because we are currently just building our resume, and our portfolio. But we are growing. Um, we've been around for just over a year, and we've got uh, more and more readers every day, uh, more and more listeners. And, uh, you know, we're looking to continue this for a long time. So the more people that contribute and tell people about it, the more likely we will uh, continue to grow. And eventually, I would love to be able to offer some kind of, like, freelance-type uh, paycheck where, like, 40 bucks a story. Who knows? Um, but I, we got to start making money to do that, and that helps with you. So if you tell people about us, um, you are helping us grow, and we appreciate you very, very much. Corey, I love that you give me so much of your time every week. I appreciate it because um, I know that you have tons of things to do, and as do I. I need to go and grade some papers, in fact. But um, until next time, have a good week. Thanks, guys. Peace. Bye. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.